Welcome to the Youth Ministry in Motion Podcast. The number one youth ministry podcast on the planet. The show that keeps you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. Now, here's your host, author, speaker, and trainer, Paul Turner. What's going on, youth workers? How's the pandemic treating you? Are you uh, are you wearing your pajama pants? It's okay. You can listen to this podcast in your pajama pants. Maybe you're on a run. Maybe you're in your car. But wherever you're at, I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're healthy. I hope that um, you're staying in contact with your kids. I hope that your kids still want to connect with you. <laughs> There's all kinds of things going on in the world that uh, that I know that you guys have to be aware of and I want to make sure that uh, I serve you guys well uh, on this podcast here. So today we're going to be talking about nine killer communication tips for youth pastors. And um, that is where we're going to go today. Because, listen, you it doesn't matter whether you're on Zoom and it doesn't matter whether you're in person. You have to have communication skills if you're going to reach young people. If you're going to reach anybody, you're going to have to have some communication skills. And so today I want to share that with you. Before I jump into that though, uh, stick around to the end. I have a special gift for you guys, uh, something you're going to be able to use uh, with these nine uh, concepts, these nine principles that I'm going to share with you today. And I know some of you are in rebuilding mode. You're trying to put it all back together. (laughs) It's all over the place. Uh, And if you're interested and you say, look, I'd rather put my youth ministry back together in community with other youth workers. Uh, my ministry-minded coaching is starting back up. I have a new season coming up. Starts August 28th. That's a Monday night at 7.30 Central Standard Time. If you are interested in coaching at all, you say, look, I, Paul, I need it. I need some help, whether that's from a ministry's perspective, the X's and O's, or whether that's from just my own peace of mind level that I want to be in community with other youth workers, with uh, somebody helping me moving forward. I have a special price for that now. It's only $99, and that is uh, $99 a month for three months. It's a three-month stretch, and uh, we have six meetings. And if you say, look, Paul, I need something like that, right? It's That's why I make it short-term, uh, because you may not need it forever. Some people say, look, I want to be accountable. I want to have all these things uh, you know, going long-term. But if you say, look, I just need for August through October or November and say, look, I, I really just want to help, need some help with the X's and O's or with my own stress level or whatever it may be, uh, I want to be able to help you. So there'll be a link down in the show notes below, but hurry up because there's only room for five. That's why I only keep it to five so I can dive deep into your ministries and help you all uh, on a much deeper level than if I would have had 10 or 15 or anything like that. So hit me up. Let me know if you need coaching. I would love to be able to help you. Now, today we're jumping into the nine killer communication tips for youth pastors. And I hope that some of these will resonate with you. Uh, Once again, it doesn't matter whether you've been, this is your first year in youth ministry, your fifth year, your 20th year. You can always get better at communication. And even I, you know, I've been uh, speaking for 30 years, uh, done hundreds of messages, done dozens of camps, 
And I learn something new, uh, you know, when I'm, I try new things. Uh, I don't stick with the same old hat. I just say, look, we got to try something new because every generation is different. Every audience is different. And so I hope that you draw from this today. Keep an open mind. Uh, and whether you call it a talk or you call it preaching or you call it whatever you call it, uh, my hope is that you'll say, look, I am communicating the gospel in some fashion, uh, verbally, uh, visually, whatever it is, it's all a package, right? It all goes together that you will walk away from this today saying, look, I learned something new, something new that I need to add to my arsenal to be able to reach the students in my ministry. So let's go ahead and jump into it. The first one is preparing your students. That's right. Preparing your students for the message you're going to speak. I like what Priya Parker says. She says that before your event starts, it has begun. You know, Priya Parker is a master at giving purpose to her gatherings. And her point uh, here was definitely for me a highlight this immediately moment as I read her book, The Art of Gathering. Her point is the minute you share that there is a gathering meeting, your audience has already begun to imagine it. The question is, what have you been giving your students to imagine? You see, I see a lot of youth pastors emphasizing game night or the activity that they will have. And there's nothing wrong with that. But how often do you, as Priya says, prime your guests for the message you're going to share? I know that some of you might be thinking, well, kids don't care what I'm going to talk about. They, they only care about the games. And that's not true. If you're sharing the gospel and the principles of Christian living, they do care if that is the purpose of your meeting. They're showing up for a reason. They're showing up to your Wednesday night because they want to hear something different. They want to hear something life-giving. If kids show up, and have no idea what you're going to talk about, they have to jump into your story quickly. They have to jump into that message with a, with a quick mindset. And I think that's a hard leap sometimes if you're not preparing them for what you're going to talk about. If you prepare them with social media posts like, you know, five ways to find the best friends or three things Jesus did that you won't believe, right? And then that gets your students' minds and their wheels turning and they become more interested in the content you're going to present. So a quick tip, use part of your meeting to announce the topic or title of what you'll be talking about the following week. And then follow up with key posts and graphics to keep stirring that imagination to your students. They're already going to imagine your meeting. Why not help them out? Why not give them the tools to start imagining what they could walk away with if they showed up to hear the message? Number two, number two is volume, using volume to grab their attention. You know, some preachers have only one volume and that is loud. And being the loudest or the most excited does not make you a great communicator. When I'm in a small room, I don't use a microphone. You see, I have a big enough mouth, uh, clearly, to project. Uh, use a microphone when you're in a large setting or if you feel like uh, your audience will not hear you. Uh, there's some people who feel like they have to have a mic because a mic is some sort of symbol of authority and uh, it doesn't make you a good communicator because you're holding the microphone. Uh, you're just holding a microphone. So change your volume. Don't have to just get, get rid of the mic in a small room, right? I change volume often during a message. Changing volume and tone changes the importance of the point I'm trying to make. And when I'm telling a story, depending on whether it's funny or serious, I make sure my tone changes as well because I'm taking them on an audio journey, if you will. If you keep the same volume throughout your message, then everything is important or nothing's important. When I try to get kids' attention, you know, I don't yell. 
I whisper because they expect me to yell and whispering catches their attention. Example, if you uh, have ever seen the movie Lord of the Rings and if Gandalf had said, you shall not pass. How effective do you think that would be in communicating the scene? Not very well. You know, you would, would you have leaned in or would you have checked out? Most likely the latter. And it's the same thing with our students. They are looking for that audio journey that you look when it's important, it, you may go up, a, a, you know, a little bit uh, when you feel like you're making a serious point and you say, look, it doesn't have to be loud, but it does have to be serious. Change your tone so that they can follow along with the story you're trying to tell. Quick tip, though, if you say, well, I struggle with this. If you type up your notes, make the points that are most important to you or important to the message, put those in bold. And then you know that's when that's you say, look, this is where I'm going to get a little louder and then make everything else in italics. Get louder at the bold parts and softer on the italics. Changing your volume allows you to share a more engaging story and allows your listeners to keep up with the main stuff they should walk away with. Number three, using your space to your advantage. One thing I could never do and I still can't do is stand behind a pulpit or a music stand for very long. I love to move around. I love that because I know that some of you feel very comfortable and some of you are even hiding maybe behind something to speak, but don't do it. Don't do it if you want to communicate well with your students. You know, what is the downside of standing behind a structure to speak? Well, it walls off your connection with your audience. It says you can't reach me and conversely, you can't reach your audience. Space is your friend if you use it wisely. You see, I, if I have a large space, I like to fill it with an illustration. Like the time I drove a car into the chapel service. Well, that took up a lot of space. That, that because the message required, you know, uh, about traveling and about going the distance and all that. And so the final night I, I said, well, I'm going to drive a car in here. And I did. And I used that space to communicate, you know, that, that final point I wanted to make. And just recently I, I used a canoe to share the time Peter walked on the water. And in this latter case, when I use the canoe, I use kids to act out the scene. Uh, using your audience as props, and I mean that in, the, in, in a kind way, using your audience as props fills up the space for a moment and gives the audience a visual of your message as well as something to engage with. I love to walk around when I talk. I love to give kids fist bumps or ask them questions uh, that has to do with my message. Being personable is a great way to use your space. But listen, whether you have a small space or a large space, it is all your space when you're speaking. So use it well. Number four, being relevant versus being cultural. The dictionary uh, says that relevant means appropriate to the current time period or circumstances of contemporary interest. Relevancy is not about being super cool because you know who ASAP Ferg is, or you know all the lyrics to Billie Eilish uh, songs. It, relevancy in a sermon or talk should be relative to a student's life, right? Not just their cultural likes, not just their cultural distinctions. Using a movie clip or a soundbite has to connect with your audience. Too many times I've used something that only reached a segment of my audience because I assumed everyone knew the artist or the movie. 
And it was true of my kids, and it's more likely true of your kids. Not everybody's going to get the reference. When there were only, you know, X amount of channels on TV when I was uh, a younger man, you either watched the MTV Awards or you didn't. You, you could only watch it on TV. With what seems like endless channels, though, and platforms to consume knowledge on, you can't assume your kids have seen whatever your reference is, have seen it or connect with it because they're all watching maybe on various platforms. Listen, if you're going to do some type of media, make sure you introduce it, right? And even ask, have you guys heard about this? I do this specifically for news stories because most kids don't watch the news. And some of the best ways to be relevant are through personal stories. Stories strike at the heart of human issues the way a movie clip with no context does not. Jesus used stories and parables all the time. And you know what? If they were good enough for him, uh, they're good enough for us. Number five, uh, have you applied the text? You see, this section is going to be getting a little personal. It might get a little under your skin. And it's meant to be a little uncomfortable because I know that I have done it. Now, think of this. Think of the last message you preached. How much of the principles of that passage have you practiced or applied to your own life? You see, it's easy to teach a passage without any real connection or application to your own life, right? You're paid to teach and to preach. And, you know, it can get very rote. It can get uh, uh, habitual in the sense that you're, you're, you're teaching something that you're not living. And not to integrate the text in some way into your life can have you feeling like a hypocrite and, and will only diminish the impact of your sermon or talk because... I've done it. Maybe you've done it where you get after the message and you go, well, that was, you know, I'm, I'm not really living that. So I don't know why I'm, why I'm saying that. So for me, I give an example of Lent because I write every day during practicing Lent, mostly on Facebook, um, about what I'm going without and what I'm replacing it with, along with some spiritual truth or scripture to go along with the journey of discovery. So for me, writing this and, and practicing this, it's easy for me to preach on Lent or preach on things because it's something I've practiced. Now, you could do the same thing, right? Make a challenge for yourself. Try doing uh, uh, what I'll call a discovery series. Take the challenge several months before the series you're going to speak on. And let's say the key scripture is uh, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So example, if you said, I really want to put this into practice in my life, we'll do this. It's 21 days, let's say, week one. Say, I'm going to personally share the gospel with one person a day, right? That's seven days. Or you can do five days, take the weekend off, whatever. It's not legalistic, however you choose to do it. Week two, I'm going to share the gospel on Instagram, Snapchat every day right? I'm going to, I'm going to share it in, in posts or, uh, in scriptures or however you choose to do that. But I'm going to share the gospel on, on either Instagram, Snapchat, whatever your platform is every day. And week three, you say, I'm going to go live. I'm going to push the live button and I am going to answer questions or share my testimony or something about your life during that week that's I'm going to go live every night for those weeks and I'm going to answer questions or I'm going to uh, ask for comments or whatever it is. Now you've basically you've completed the 21 days of discovery and you have more than enough stories to share about your experience with Mark 16, 15 and your students will see you practicing it. So it doesn't matter what the scripture is or what the what the principle is. Now, once again, if you're married, it's hard to you know go out and start dating again. Your, your wife would frown on that. So I don't recommend that. But you could talk to people who are dating, 
and start doing little questionnaires or, or just put random uh, polls out there or whatever it is. You, there's ways you can practice this. There's ways you can get back into it to create the information or at least the knowledge you need to be relevant to talking about the subjects that your teens you know, need to hear about. So take those challenges, right? Take those challenges and start putting them into your life. You know, you'll learn things, right? You'll, you'll discover what was the hardest, easiest part of sharing your faith, as well as your successes and failures or mistakes in sharing your faith. You know, which was easier to share your faith in person or online? You know, this all becomes part of the content of your message. Find ways to integrate the principle of the text into your life. And not only will you grow your own faith, but the faith of those whom you share your experiences with. Number six, number six is organizing your notes. Now, listen, I don't use notes anymore in regards to physical paper because I can remember the nights when I would have these pages and pages of printed notes. Number one, it, it made kids nervous. because like, oh, my gosh, he's got three pages of notes. What, how long is this going to go? And really, that was only serving to show people how hard I had studied or researched and so forth. But eventually, the notes became a hindrance rather than a help. I mean, listen, have you ever spilled your notes on the floor or a page went flipping off your podium or whatever it is? And it, you know, it becomes a distraction. And so, uh, you know, I don't use the notes anymore. But like I said, you do you. You can look, have your notes. It's fine. I, and listen, I don't know where I heard this. But, and, and I paraphrase this, is if you have to use notes, you're not too deep into what you're speaking on. And I, once again, that's not a, a indictment on those people who use notes. What that is saying though, is, is if you have to follow along that it's not a, it's not necessarily a passion in your heart. It's not something you've been meditating on. It's, it's a presentation you're making, but it's not necessarily the, the passion of your heart. You're not speaking out of your heart. You're speaking out of your notes. Uh, and you know, that may or may not be the same. And I'm, like I said, I'm not against physical notes, but I use slides. Slides have the big points I want to get across. And then I fill in the gaps with mental preparation for myself, right? I think on it. I meditate on it. Uh, I, I go over the text. I go over my examples and, and I go from there. Now, listen, like I said, you do you. If you need the physical notes, use them. But maybe, you know, instead of using pages of notes, use index cards so you can cut out all the wordiness, right? That's where we get bogged down. We, we get into a lot of wordiness. Uh, you know, your audience, all they want is authenticity, regardless of the kinds of notes you use, whether it's using Evernote off your phone or whether you use slides. Don't let your notes or cleverness in using those notes take away from what you're really wanting to say. Number seven, connecting with students. Earlier, you heard me mention using kids in sermon illustrations. That's one way to connect with students. I like to make teen, teens feel a part of the message rather than passive observers. I believe when teens are involved, it helps them remember what I'm saying. But connecting with students isn't just about illustrations or participation. It's about emotional connection. How do you know if a kid is picking up what you're laying down? I know you want to say well, they're saying amen, but that's that's just a that's just a you know a callback. That's just you say amen, they say amen. That just that means they're maybe listening to what you're saying, but they're not necessarily connecting with what you're saying. So here's a few ways you can foster connection with your students. Right? Ask questions. Right? Ask questions of them. How many say things like, well, "How many of you can relate to this?" Right? That's one way you're getting information. You're saying you're giving an example, right? Stories, stories of when you were a kid as it relates to the message you're sharing. 
testimony. Let students share their journey as part of your message. Maybe you could prepare a student say, hey, look, I'm talking about this tonight. I know that's something you've been challenged with. Would you mind sharing your experience? Right. You could take a poll right after service on Instagram. Ask, what did you take away from tonight? Or which of my points helped you the most? Or if it's just a yes or no says, look, I totally got tonight's message. Yes or no. Right. You can do a, have a conversation. Right. Put three questions on the screen at the beginning of your talk right? Two fun ones and one that has something to do with your message and tell your students to talk with three other students about them, right? You can be one of the people they ask. And so in these conversations you're having, that one key question that's going to be answered uh, could show up in your in your message. Say, hey, I just talked with a, with a young man or a young lady and this is what they said their answer was, right? Communicating information is only part of your job. And too many times I ask someone, how did I do? which is all about me versus asking, did I connect with the students or did the students understand what I was saying, right? Where the focus is on them getting it versus me performing. Speaking can be a narcissistic practice when it should be really a 15 to 20 minutes of empathy, listening, and making sure our audience is connecting with God and the scripture. So here's uh, just a few signs that kids are getting it, right? Signs of connection. Uh, less kids on their phones. That's pretty easy. If they're looking at you, eye contact. If they're looking at you, uh, they're not looking at their phones. You're doing something that is engaging their attention. Uh, participating in the opportunities you give them, whether that's uh, you know, whether you're asking questions or anything like that, there, there's, look, they're at least giving you some sign that they're connecting to what you're doing. If they can remember one actionable point, right? That's a connection. Uh, if they post something about your message, right? If they say, look, uh, totally learned about, you know, how to make friends tonight. Uh, my youth pastor shared a powerful story of when he was 12, you know, whatever that is, right? And they post about it later. Um, if students are asking questions either during the meeting or after the meeting and they ask a question, Hey, I was really confused about that. Tell me about it. That's connection. They want to know more about that. And then finally they apply something you said to their very own lives. That's a sign of connection, right? So what if a student can't remember your whole message? That's not the point. If they remember your whole message, the point of speaking or preaching, in my opinion, is not that they remember everything I said but what God revealed to them. If I can have a small part and you can have a small part through the message to allow God to reveal himself to a student, then you and I have done our job uh, in full. So keep that in mind. Don't make it about how well you did. Make it about how well that student connected with the message. Principle number eight, a question of balance. What exactly am I asking you to balance? In terms of your communication, I'm asking you to balance between the scripture and you. How much of the message was about you being funny and how much of the message was about scripture? See, you don't need to be funny, right, the whole time, but humor certainly helps connect with your audience. Scripture is important, but too much of it and your kids are gonna check out if it's just nothing but just reading scripture straight through, no stories, nothing else, and just, uh, uh, just a barrage of scripture. And kids are just, the eyes start to glaze over because there's, there's no connection with that. And as many of you know, uh, that have been listening for a while, I love to speak at camp. And one of the things that I do at camp is I ask 
campers to read scripture for, for me uh, at chapel. And I go at dinner time, and I have these slips of paper with scripture on them. And uh, listen, there, I'll be honest with you, there's been arguing and begging and maybe a little bit of uh, fighting uh, to get the scriptures that night. And I usually only have about seven verses to read. I keep it to about seven. Now, these verses may all come from one story, or they may all be different. Or I may have four from the main story and three uh, general uh, principal uh, scriptures that go along with that, right? So uh, let me give you a tip when I do that. Uh, in doing this, I make sure scripture takes the center stage, right? I usually have the scripture on the screen in case the teen is a quiet reader, or maybe they're not uh, a super great reader, but at least the scripture's up there. So the kids are following along with them while they're reading, and it's up on the screen. So that that helps out, I think. And when I share about myself, I don't go on about my hot wife, right? Even though she is, but I don't go on about my hot wife or uh, all the things I've ever done in ministry. And you know, those kids don't care about that stuff. That's just all filler. What I try to do is share uh, is is share pieces of my life that relate to my message. I don't have to share about everything. I give you an example. I recently. Uh, spoke about a friend of mine who I went to camp with and how each of us made different decisions while we were at camp. And it just so happened I was having dinner with this friend uh, and he had a picture of us as teenagers. And I love that so much. And afterwards, we took another picture of us together uh, and I used that picture right? This gave him, I use, I put it up on the screen and says, guys, you're going to make decisions this week. And uh, let me tell you about a friend of mine that I just had dinner with. And this gave a glimpse uh, to my audience of who I was in context of being a teenager and a camper and who I was today because of Jesus. To be balanced, just make sure there is more scripture than you, because neither you or me can change anyone. Now, Lastly, number nine, the question is, what was your wow factor? I've already mentioned driving a car into the chapel, right, at camp. And that's a, certainly, that's a wow factor. But you don't have to drive a car into a chapel to have a wow factor. A wow factor is something that is surprising and delightful and sometimes a little weird. A wow factor is something students wouldn't get at home if they were watching you on a screen. A wow factor is an opportunity for you to create for students, uh, 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 an opportunity for them to move into the heart of God and for God to connect with them, right? Uh, and I've used a lot of wow factors over 30 years, right? I've, I've you know, whether that's, you know, uh, uh, drilling holes in a Bible or doing prayer stations. I've worn costumes. I've set up tents in the middle of the youth room. And all of this was to make a memory that connects the wow with the gospel because the gospel is the wow. That is the deal, right? And so everything I did as far as a wow factor, sometimes the wow factor can overwhelm everything. All the remember is the wow factor, but the wow factor only exists to connect your principle, your story, with the gospel, right? It's it, That's why it's there. So if you want your kids to remember that meeting or that service, think about adding a little wow to it, right? Think about how you could, whether that's an illustration or a powerful video clip or something physical you do or whatever it is. Maybe it's just an audio where they listen to something, but they don't see it. Uh, something there that says, look, this is something you came to church for. Uh, you, you're giving me your time. You're giving me your attention. And I want to add a little bit of wow factor in there to say, you know what? Tonight's going to be different. Now, 
You can't drive a car into your service every week. And I don't recommend using the same wow method every week. Change it up. Sometimes maybe you maybe the wow factor is a student getting up and sharing uh, a testimony. That that's a, For some people, that's a wow factor because they go, wow, I just heard from one of my peers about how this issue or how Jesus uh, has changed their life. That can be a wow factor, right? So listen, no matter what it is, don't, don't get hung up on it, but have something in your message that connects, that connects with students and says, look, this was different. Don't make the thing the thing, right? Only connect it. Use it to connect to the gospel or to make that final point you want to make. You can make it at the beginning. You can make it at the end. You can make it at the middle. Put your wow factor somewhere in there that says, hey, pay attention. This is about to get interesting. Now, for that special gift I was talking about at the very beginning, if you'd like to have all nine of these tips on one sheet, and I'm going to call it the preacher's scorecard. In other words, you can grade yourself and say, look, here's where I fall on my wow factor, right? What was the wow factor? You could use this after a message, right? After your message, you kind of go to the scorecard, right? You could have other people fill out the scorecard for you and say, oh, it was this, it was that. And it's tough to do, right? You don't want to hear a criticism about something you've worked hard on or you, you know, spoke up. But let me tell you something, unless you're getting feedback from people, not students necessarily, but from uh, your somebody on your adult team or somebody like that that can be, you know, have, be objective about it and say, look, I want to be a better speaker. Will you help me? Would you fill out this scorecard for you? So all you have to do, I put a link down in the description below, and all you have to do is sign up for my youth ministry uh, newsletter called the Youth Ministry Roundup, where I send you videos and articles and all kinds of stuff like that. And the link is down in the show notes. And if you'll just subscribe to the Youth Ministry newsletter, you download the scorecard. It's all on one page and you can start improving your communication skills using the nine principles that I just shared with you today. So guys, I want to thank you so much. Like I said, if you're brand new to this and you say, Paul, thank you so much. Uh, I would love it if you would go leave a review on uh, iTunes or wherever you may be listening to this and say, hey, thank you, Paul. Uh, This is your first time. Thank you for being a part. I hope that you'll come back. If you're a regular, thank you so much for being a part of the community here. I appreciate your attention. And I hope that I've been uh, blessing you in some way. Uh, You're welcome to leave me any feedback as well. I'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic of interest, you can always email me at thedproject@me.com and share your thoughts with me there. And uh, guys, if nobody has told you lately that you're doing a good job, you're doing a good job. Keep up the good work, keep the fight, and uh, you're going to make it. So uh, until next time, I'll catch you guys in the next episode. You've been listening to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast with Paul Turner. Visit thedisciplesproject.net to find out more about how you can join the ministry-minded coaching group for bi-monthly coaching sessions that will help you build a successful youth ministry. 